to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman, and I hope you know that my guests and I every week that we truly enjoy and are honored that you join us to learn whatever the topic is of the week. Now, to help you change your sales game, my my particular zone of genius is communication. So, of course, I have a free gift for you. In the show notes, you will find my communication style assessment. You will get two reports. First report, natural superpowers as it relates to communication, how your messages land will be one report. Flip side, your lowest score, you'll get a secondary report spotlighting people who communicate 180 degrees different than you. How is your message landing there? For me, I think that's the more important report for you to kind of dig in and uh, observe and, and percolate on. Again, that link is in the show notes, my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote to set the stage for the conversation with my guest today is by Carlos Chosen. And Carlos says, every single time you make a merger, somebody is losing his identity and saying something different is just rubbish. So I remember in the 90s during my banking days, uh, we went through a huge metamorphosis and we called it the you know merger mania was what we were calling it back in the 90s. I'm dating myself. But being part of the transition team for two different specific pretty large mergers, I found that with open communication, even if nothing new needed to be shared, sharing that nothing new was happening played out well for the employees fearing that they were going to lose their jobs. And I don't care how you slice and dice it. Every time there's a merger, there's an element of fear. And they felt included and part of the changes that were happening around them versus kind of being left out. The other thing I found that was critical was to begin to share the values and the culture of the organization, right, that they were merging into so employees could start to feel safe and look forward to being part of that bigger new picture, whatever whatever it is, right, for your organization. So are merging companies the right move for organizational growth? Well, that, of course, is our topic for today. And my guest happens to be freaking amazing um, at building cultures. So my guest today is Eric Allen Eaton. He's a personal friend. We've hung out together several times at networking events and stuff. Now, recently, Eric shared with me that his bank has had four organizations merge into one in the past year alone. So yikes, dude, I give you credit. Um, Eric is a hardworking, honest, determined, self-motivated individual. And one of his missions in life is to leave the world just in a better situation than he found it and enjoy seeing friends and family rewarded for hard work. Now, he has over 15 years of branch and operational banking experience and two decades of stage and voice acting experience. He has a beautiful voice. Uh, Please help me welcome my wonderful friend back to the show for, I think, the third time. Eric, thank you for coming on, dude. Thanks for having me. Third time's the charm. Yay, uh, baby. (laughs) Good to see you. You've got your, it looks like you got your Mardi Gras green on, so you're ready. I mean, uh, purple, so you're ready for the next season. You got it, baby. You got it. I love it, right? We're that old, old news with the new year. Uh, We're well into the new year. Yeah, we're done, man. We're done with that. All right. So here's the thing. Truly, truly, you've had four organizations that merged in one year. And I can only imagine the growing pains and probably some of the solutions that maybe you had to work through or f- were forced to work through. So what were what were the big highlights? Like what were the big challenges with the merger? And because you're trying to create now this unique culture of four merging into the one. So what were, what was that? What were the challenges? What were the, where you probably got more gray hair than you wanted? <laughs> well, that's happening anyway, but yeah, <laughs> Bank plus uh, can, can be credited with some of that. But that's yeah. right. 
<laughs> for sure. That and a 15-year-old driving, but we'll get to that later. But uh, so about uh, in 2020, uh, Bank Plus was just in Mississippi. We were 55 branches, about uh, 750 employees, and we acquired our first bank. Um, and they they were kind of a similar similar size, a little bit smaller, but similar culture, similar footprint. So they they actually enable us to go into uh, our first out of state acquisition. Um, if, as you remember, there was also something else going on in 2020, a pandemic. So <laughs> timing, great. Yeah, it was great timing because the, the way, as you know, the way successful acquisitions happen is you've got to have people in the buildings holding hands and, and drying tears and, you know, facing those fears together. Um, but we weren't able to do it that way. So we had to come up with new ways of doing it. Um, fast forward to about 2022, we acquired another bank out of New Orleans. So there's, that's our third organization that we're, we're going to be merging together over the last few years. Uh, but in between that time, we also acquired um, a mobile market where we, we brought in a good team from another bank. So, now we've got four banks all operating under one umbrella. And I look back on some of the, the nightmare stories I've heard of other institutions that have done something like that, that weren't as intentional as we were with making sure the cultures were going to be a good fit. Uh, that just you, you 10 years down the road, you're still operating four banks. That's right. there's, no, there's no consistency. The the customers don't know who to call, uh, you know, a banker up in, Mobile, Alabama may give you one answer and a banker over in Baton Rouge will give you a totally different answer. And in, in the middle is Mississippi and they don't know what you're even talking about. So uh, that's our big challenge with 1,300 employees now in four states is to unify our, our culture and our brand. Um, and we've done a really good job of that. We've still got some more work to do, but but we're right in the middle of that process. Uh, even back from 2020, we're going back now to the folks that we weren't able to go and visit with in person and just make sure they're still doing fine. And yeah, about two years ago, I went on a road show and visited a lot of those branches and just said, Hey, what are we doing? Right. What could we do better? Um, our COO, Kurt Graves, uh, he's been in the banking industry for a little while. He was the CEO of the bank that we bought in 2020. And he's always said, you know, if you paid that much money to buy our bank and you weren't going to take anything that we were doing as right, you overpaid. <laughs> and I, I love that because True. it's right. I mean, that's the, that's the great, that's the great mark of, of collaboration is, is looking at what we're doing and saying, maybe we'll be able to do a little bit better if we take what we're doing well, take what they're doing well and combine the two and then get rid of all our bad habits, which, you know, magic wine moment, but yeah, and it, it's taken the best of the best, right, and creating even a better, more dynamic culture. And I remember uh, back in the 90s when it was United Jersey Bank, UJB, we bought Summit and the the cultures. And it's funny because you use the word intentional, that you sought out these other banks that had similar cultural and underlying um, belief, right, in, in place already so that the merger becomes more um probably easier, but also people are like, oh yeah, we do that. It, it's more comfortable. That was the word I was looking for. So I remember when we did that merger, it was wonderful because um, the two banks had similar cultures and the CEOs, they, the one was retiring, the other one was going to take over. So that was a beautiful, natural next step. But we took the best of the best 
So mm-hmm. what we created on the back end of it became this just amazing bank to work for. Like I thought UJB was great to work for. Summit was even better, right? Because now you had the best of the best. And then we got bought out fleet. I don't, they're no longer in existence. They got bought out too. Then fleet came in and I was part of that merger team. And I'll tell you, uh, Eric, it was a whole different experience. It was like cloak and dagger. Yeah. They weren't telling. I was on the team to try to get communications out. And I was like, but you have, we need this information. Information and they're like, well, you're not privy to it yet. So it was this cloak and dagger, everybody. And what ended up happening is we lost a lot of our really stellar high performers because they thought, I don't need this. I could go get a job. I'm going to be in control of me because I know I bring worth, you know, to the table. So we ended up losing all these employees and it, and it was simple communication that could have been avoided because we, we had this very successful merger, you know, a couple of years before. So having four come together, um, I think that intentionalness of, of finding similar, um, at the, at the core, right? That similarity makes bringing them together as one a little bit easier. But you, you know, the challenge is you had COVID. <laughs> Talk about timing. Like, holy crap, you poor thing. It was one of those. We announced the, the acquisition in October of 2019. And we, this was my, this would have been my first in 20 years. So I was, I was excited, you know, because I, I, I knew a lot of these other bankers and, and I knew the bank that it, that we were acquiring had been around for long, actually longer than Bank Plus by about 10 years already in Mississippi. So it was a good old line, late 1800s bank. And I was excited to welcome them in. And then March happened in 2020 and the acquisition was August or the, you know, the turnover was in August. So our changeover rather was in that summer. But we we learned a lot of lessons through that. I think that if the pandemic had not happened, uh, I don't want to say there was a silver lining. There was a silver lining from a business standpoint. I Agree. Just, yeah. I, just, I don't want to make it sound trite, but um, if the pandemic had not have happened, I think that we would have thought everything was going fine and that we knew knew everything already and we didn't need to look at our own processes. But having to realize Hey, in order to talk to these people over distances and communicate with them, we're having to do it over distance. <laughs> but in real life, they're over distance. They're in another state. Yeah. And so it forces to realize you've got to learn to communicate on a footprint basis and not just a, well, this is how Bank Plus does it. You're just going to do it that way. We're going to send you some pins. Don't worry. You're going to have some pins and some marketing. You're going to, you're going to feel just like Bank Plus. Don't worry about it. But as you know, the moment that that customer sitting in front of you, they don't care what the bank name is. They just want to know where their darn money is. Absolutely. They don't care what the name is. So um, my boss, Johnny, uh, which I, I still need to get y'all to meet. He's, he's Mr. Culture here. He's our chief culture officer. You love him. We were talking recently about how, when, uh, when we first acquired this bank out of new Orleans, he's, he's got family from new Orleans and so do I. So we were both excited to be going down there a little bit more Um it's a wonderful place. It's a great mix of cultures. And like, you, you know, you're a Jersey girl, Italian girl from Jersey. We've got, we've got New Orleans Italian folks and, and New Orleans gals and people like that that just have kind of a, it's just a different world down there. And it's, uh, it's a tough world. It's a beautiful world. It's, it's beautiful and loving and, and it's sad. And it's, it's all these feelings that makes New Orleans, New Orleans. And so Johnny said that he was driving down there when we first announced that we were acquiring them and, and he was going to go talk to all these people. And he said, here he was driving across Lake Pontchartrain, which is a really long lake, a really long bridge. And he said he's had his music on. He had his, in his brain, he said, my bank plus flags were flying from the top of the truck. And it's, you know, like the, 
Robin Williams and the Chargers just were driving. Here we go. Bring in Bank Plus to these people. And then it hit him right when he was pulling. He's like, wait a minute. You need to just tone it down, Paco, because these people don't know what's, they don't know if you're coming here to fire them. You know, they hear somebody from Jackson or the corporate office is coming. That's in, during the same time an acquisition is announced. They automatically think, oh God, they're coming here to, they're coming here to knock me out. When yeah. our, our view is, we don't do that. Like we look for the best ways to, to bring everybody into the organization. So, but we don't know that. We don't know what the experience they've had. Like you said, you had one great acquisition and one bad one. And the one you remember really is the bad one. And so we always have to remember that when we're acquiring another institution is that they don't, they may not look at it as such a great thing until they, they see it. They got to see it and, and realize, okay, A, my job's safe. B, my office is not going to get closed. Um, or C, my job is safe, but my best friend that I need by me or my best lending assistant or whatever the, the role yes. is safe too. So it becomes kind of a, you know, us versus them before you even mean it to be. And so that's what we've had to be very intentional about avoiding is saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. We're very transparent on, on we, we give everybody a calendar, what to expect. So the customers get mailed a, you know, conversion. You know, on this date, your checking account will convert over to Bank Plus. You'll be able to see it on your online bank. You know, we give them step-by-step instructions. The customers get that. The employees get that. So all the departments are very intentional about going and answering questions. And um, our C-suite executives are in the footprints talking and answering questions. So, I mean, it's a very, it's a lot of extra work. But I look at it as doing the work up front so that you're not managing four banks in 10 years from now and, and Absolutely. You're, then your internal competition flares up and you're, you're worrying about fighting more with each other than fighting with banks around the corner. So, and the other problem too, though, long-term Eric is, you know, audits and FDIC and all of these other things that, you know, banks have to be accountable for, for through regulation and government, you know, so if one bank, when they were smaller, maybe could get away with something because they didn't hit benchmarks or whatever, or, or, or you know, dollar amounts of, of assets, um, sure. very different. So you, you, you can't have that going on when all of a sudden you go from a $1 billion to a $10 billion bank, right. let's say, um, the parameters change. So we have to make sure. And, and the other thing, you, you as you were describing that, I was visualizing, but it was all about communication. You have to be transparent. You have to over communicate because people are coming from a place of fear and it's an us and them. You're absolutely right. Well, we do it this way. They're doing it that way. And then they start dissing and putting down the new banks coming in before you even know everything because it's fear driven. We're humans. And I think sometimes in corporate, we forget that we're dealing with humans who have families that they're caring for. They have bills that they have to pay. They might have elders that had to move in, you know, during COVID because they couldn't keep them in the nursing home. Like people are dealing with real life crap that sometimes isn't fun. And now you're merging. Am I going to have my job and my paycheck? So fear is real. And that you guys were so, again, deliberate in how you looked. And and it was so funny as you were describing. I could picture it, right? He's like, like, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden he's like, whoa, 
we're changing people's lives. I yeah. can't go in gangbusters. I have to go in with empathy, right? That perspective of, of an empathetic approach. So just really, really smart. But here's the thing. You get excited. I get where he was going because you're sure. like, they're going to love us and we're going to do so many great things. And they're thinking, are you taking my job away, dude? All so all of this is going on because by the way, yeah, we're humans and we're complicated, right? So talk to me about how did you and how are you? Because this is all still happening, yeah. but how are you leading so people really can buy into this new culture and support the new bank? Yeah, communication. Yeah, you guys did the road show and all of that. But day to day, how are you how are you rolling out that culture where people are are apprehensive, but then are saying, Oh, I like that. Oh. That's another good piece of, right? How are you doing that? Because it's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Um, our bank has always had the the benefit, or not the benefit, or the blessing of, of CEOs that are very engaged with the population. So, you know, they are in the C-suite, but it's not on some Mount Olympus. Like they, they're seen in the, the footprint. And, and that's something we've heard over the years is that they want to be seen, they want to see them more. And so when I tell them that, they're like, it's never a pushback. Well, you know, I don't have time to go. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll look on our little internet and say, Oh, well, they're in this part of the state today, or they're in this part of the footprint today, or they just went to that ribbon cutting. And that's good stuff. That's, that's what you want to see is, is your executives that are, that don't real, that don't think that they're above their organization. Uh, cause then if I don't see an executive, for a long time now, I think, well, are they trying to sell us? Or are they, are they just trying to cash it out and they don't care what the, the lobbies look like? I mean, but uh, our CEO now uh, has always been very good about going into the, the system and, and seeing people. Uh, and our previous CEO was like that too. We were a much smaller bank, but he's the one that kind of drove us from just a small little Mississippi bank to kind of a, a regional powerhouse that we are now or, or charging up to be the powerhouse. Uh, we're almost at 10 billion. So we've got a few more. Love it. Really is to add, but but that's kind of our march. Um, is once you start that march, it's hard to stop. And you know, here's the thing, Eric. Title doesn't make you a good leader. I'm sorry, right? Yeah. Doing what your CEO and what your COO and what you, right? You're you're the suits, right? The suits are here, but you guys come in curious, caring want to understand before you say, well, we're just doing it this way too bad, right? You're, you're really trying to analyze what is the best of the best of the best. And the other thing is, I'm sorry, people, oh, everything's great. They're, they don't want to be the one who comes in and says, you know, there's a problem, right? Yeah. They just want everything to be hunky dory and they become yes men, not because that's what they want to do, but they want to be a, a team player. So I have to be positive, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in the trenches and seeing it live, picture's worth a thousand words. You really see what's happening. You feel, and I don't care, people could still put on a show for you, sure. but you feel that frustration, that energy within the branches or the offices so that your COO or CEO or you yeah. really do say, oh, we, Houston, we've got a problem. Let's head this off at a pass so that we can articulate, right? And communicate that what they're perceiving isn't, isn't absolutely not going to happen. But you don't know that if you have people who are trying to be positive. And I know that wasn't a put down to anyone because in a merger, there is so much stress, stress, frustration, angst, 
we want to be part of the positivity behind it, but there has to be a reality check as well. So I give your executive team a lot of credit because you've, you've got to be in it with the people for them to even want to stay on board, especially your high performers, right? They see that and they think this is the organization for me. They get it. They care. I'm valued, right? Let me stick around. Let me see what's going to happen now. But you get them to buy in, you know, sl- hopefully slowly, uh, but surely. Well, there's, there's two things I want to say about that is, is just because the numbers are in the positive and black and you're making money doesn't mean that it's, it's a positive work environment. <clears throat> you know, whipped horses will still move forward and, and get your field plowed. But, um, I always have encouraged people just because the numbers are good, you still need to look and see what's driving those numbers. If you, if you're still making money, but you go into the branch and you've got this awful environment. You think, well, how much more money could we be making if these people were happier or if they were nicer to each other? Uh, and then, you'll, you know, it's, the culture is directly tied to profit. And that when you start talking the game to to people that count money, they, they listen. Then you're like, well, I can prove to you that this this culture is related to this. And another thing, don't be afraid to, to fire toxic producers. Uh, that's something that we've had to, to learn and say, um, and I'm not saying anybody specifically, but we're looking at saying, so if, if I'm paying somebody to come in every day and bring in loans and they're just the most rotten people you've ever met in your entire world, I'm actually paying them to do damage to the organization. That make that's actually a, an insanity quote, it seems like. Yes. So then I saw it on LinkedIn not long ago. So I'm not quoting that. I'm not making that quote, but it's like, don't be afraid to fire toxic producers. And, um, uh, because they're not only producing money, they're producing toxin that spreads. And then you're, then it's out of control. And then they're infecting the people that aren't producers. And then you just got toxic people laying around doing nothing. So they're eating away at that income that person is bringing in because you're allowing that behavior. Yeah. It's funny. I have one client here in New Jersey and they hired this young man. He's stellar. Eric, I, I like, can we duplicate this kid? He's freaking amazing. And about six months then, you know, comes through my training, right? A, a part of the program. And um, we became, he, he started trusting me, you know? So he called me one day and he said, can we talk? I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation where he had come through my coaching class and he says, and I'm coaching a toxic, his assistant manager, as, as it turned out. Um, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I immediately fell in love with him. And I thought he's taking ownership as the coach of what am I not doing to connect with this person or whatever, or get the buy-in. Well, fast forward recently, he's in another program that is bank paid for. I just happened to be part of the faculty. And he emailed me and he said, oh my God, I finally got another assistant manager. I'm so excited for 2020. He was a new man and I, I had gone to the executives because I don't ever talk bad behind because then the people won't trust me in the training. But I went to the executive and I said, listen to me, this kid, we need to keep him. He's future regional material. I'm telling you, this is one of your stars. He's, he's on the bench. We got to really get him into play. You have to help him with his branch because he it's toxic and all of these, which they all knew. They were telling me, the executives were telling me. And I said, don't lose him because you're going to lose a high performer. Exactly what you're saying. Because we reach a point saying, well, wait a minute, I'm better than this. I don't need to deal with this. It's it's causing angst in my personal life. I'm not sleeping, right? I'm losing weight. I'm not eating. I'm becoming unhealthy because of this person and because yeah. the, the bank won't do anything. That's not okay. So I I really hear that. We, we want to save everybody, but people have to own their own career too at some yeah. point, right? 
we always say in a, in a kind of a joking way, we'll, we'll help you up or out. And so, you know, you don't want to just promote the problem. <laughs> There's a lot of people promote the problem. They're like, oh yeah, they're, they're a high performer just to get them out of the, their, their area, you know, pass uh, the problem. But you know, you may be doing people, you're doing the organization a favor when you have people remove or when you let them leave. Uh, but you're also doing them a favor because if they're miserable and unhappy here, and they may have felt stuck or whatever, and then they go, you know, you meet them a year later and they're a the totally changed person because they're finally doing something they are called to do or want yeah. to do. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 my advice to human resources folks that are on the, that are listening is don't be afraid to have those conversations of, do you really want to stay? Do you still want to work here? And yeah. if you say no, then let's figure out how to get them somewhere else. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. And, and it's, um, it's funny because what you were saying too, you're losing money, whether you realize, even though you're, you're make, you think, Oh, we grew 10% this year. That's great. Yeah. Could you have grown 25%? So yes. you, what is that lost income because of toxicity or because people are like, let's wait and see yeah, before we act because I want to take these clients with me if I move. We're losing money every which way. So yeah. that you guys have started building this culture of transparency and honesty and and really getting the buy-in from people. Um, I, I think it's the only way to start. I think we do it backwards. Well, we're the new bank. We're taking over. They're just going to have to, do, it's our system and they're going to have to take yeah. over. That's, to me, that's bullying, right? That's just being a bully. Well, it's bullying. It's non, it's not professional and it's risky. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like jumping into a, a you know, body of water without knowing what's at the bottom of it. I'm not going to do that. We got plenty of brown water down here in Mississippi that us <laughs> country boys will tell you real quick, don't go jumping into a creek unless you know what's at the bottom of it. Yeah. Cause you could break something or die. Right. Isn't that break the truth? What and were, now, Eric, what were some of the, like, were there key things or frustrations? Like you were saying with COVID that all of a sudden, uh, oh, we need to be more Zoom teams, whatever it is. How do we navigate that? How do we get people on? How do we engage? Right. That was another whole learning curve uh, mm. for humanity as a whole. But yeah. overall, now when you're looking back, right, for kind of coming into that one, were there typical frustrations that the people, um, coming from the other culture into yours, was there typical things that you've heard now that you're four times in, right? You're kind of like a pro. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we definitely heard, we asked for their feedback. Like once we got that, we formed a new, we formed this thing called the transition committee and things like that and acquisition <laughs> committees. And uh, we were, we were more intentional that time. We, we had the help of a great um, friend of mine who's also a, He's the consultant that we hired that helped us through those processes. And he's still around helping us with a lot of processes. And he is just very, he is very process focused because he's just going to only give you processes that work to help get some of that, some of the monkeys off your shoulder so you can go do your actual job. So we were, we were trying to do it all ourselves and realizing that you need it. It's, it's, you know, you're bringing in a whole group of people who want to be a part of the transition so allow the bank that you're acquiring or the industry that you're acquiring to participate in that and to say, hey, this is great how y'all do this. But I'm going to tell you, in my market, it's not going to work that way. And then you say, well, so tell me why it's not working that way. And then you start listening to the reasons and you think, well, that's maybe why it's not working in our north market or that's maybe why it's stagnant in the middle market. And then you're like, oh, great. So we, we've been very intentional about listening to 
the people we're acquiring because, hey, we know we've got a great culture here. I don't want it to be, you know, ruined or watered down by acquiring the wrong institution, even if it's a nice price. I would I'm not at that level of decision making, but, you know, I, I, I know our folks well enough in the C-suite to know that they look at the culture when they're making buying decisions. I and mean, I can sleep at night knowing that they do that and they're putting in the work. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's so important. It's funny. And <clears throat> I shared this story with you. I can't remember if I've introduced you, my friend, Kevin up in Maine, he's uh, Kevin Hancock. He's one of the oldest uh, businesses in the United States from the 1800s. I think he's sixth or seventh generation. <clears throat> when he took over, his dad passed away suddenly. And I think he was in his late thirties. He was a young man all of a sudden in this CEO position. And so he didn't know what the heck he was doing and he was trying to make decisions and he lost his voice. He he got this disorder where it was truly painful for him to even talk. And so what would happen These executives, the different divisions would come to him. Hey, we have this situation in the market. What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. And he, all he could say is, what do you think? Because it was so painful. And they would come back and say, well, I think we should do blah, blah, blah and here's why. And he, you know, on the, he's been on my show several times and he goes, Connie, their answer was always better than mine. And I, he would go, okay. Like, go do it, because that was the limitation of what he could talk. Now, fast forward, this happened about 13 years ago. So at the pinnacle of the housing crisis, Lumber, right, in 2008. So fast forward now, in the past 13 years, his company, now the same company, but his company in the past 13 years has made more net profit than all of his ancestors over the hundred whatever years that they... So what getting feedback from people who know their market, like you said, love the process, just not going to work in our market. And here's why. What, and, and the other thing I wanted to say about that is you bring the, the brought the expert in because there's no way we can know everything as a business owner. It took me a long time. I could do that. I'm smart. I could figure yeah. that out. Is it worth our time? And what are we losing on the back end? Right. Penny wise, dollar foolish, time wise, uh, time foolish. So you hired the right people to come in. But here's the thing. The process is the process. But then you have a little bit of wiggle room with these different markets that maybe are on. They're not in that framework. They're just outside of it. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be profitable. So the process is important. But you have to be able to have people navigate from their frame of reference. Reality, right? It's, it, I don't care how you slice it. Business is reality. It and is. if we're not working from reality, you're missing the boat. We're missing money. We're losing good people. All the things we're, you know, we're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, business is all about adjusting, and you don't always have the luxury of pulling off to the side of the road and, and taking a break. So, I mean, you yeah. know, changing horses mid-race, that's business for you. And like you say, it's real, and it's real life, and it happens in real time. And so being equipped with what you can expect before it actually happens is a name of the game. I mean, you it's, that's that's the reward of being intentional is that you get a lot of data up front and then you're able to say, OK, I know this won't work. So I'm not even going to spend time, effort and put that group on it because it's not going to work. So we're not going to do it. So um, and we're also going to not come in and, and, you know, pull everybody's old signs down and say you can't display your old bank's name and, you know, get that frame off your kids with your old bank. We're not we would never do that. Um, we do have some standards of of advertising and, and, you know, for safety reasons, we encourage people not to have pictures of their kids in their office if they're customer facing, obviously you deny somebody alone, you know, hate to think that, but it has happened. So life, <laughs> yeah, it's life. And we do have brand standards and things like that, but we're also very, uh, 
sensitive to the local markets and also especially to our brothers and sisters that we've acquired over the last few years. Uh, and it's great to see that once we got through the initial, because there's no easy, there's no simple, perfect way to have an acquisition. No. The system's going to go down. Customers that were like, this, I told you this wasn't going to work, are going to be out the door. All the debit cards are not going to work, so they're going to have to come reissue those. So, I mean, there's going to be some things like that. It's how you respond. It's how your support team responds to the new folks that's really going to go ahead and, and speed up that process of bringing them on board. Uh, we had that situation during the pandemic where debit cards weren't working. And so, you know, the support team, we we got to know our new folks really well over over the phones and over the Zoom. And yeah. we still joke about it to this day, four years later. Uh, hey, let's not do that again. But remember when you know, it's <laughs> kind of like, it's like, you know, like I was talking off off air with you about you got 40, 40 recruits coming into a, a military training. They all come in as 40 individuals. And the idea is for them to leave as one fighting unit. That's really kind of how you feel after you go through acquisitions and like, mm-hmm. There's some moments when you probably lose your temper or your patience and say things you shouldn't say or or badmouth the, the home office and things like that because everybody else is doing it. And you're like, yeah, I know those idiots up in Ridgeland. They don't know what they're doing. And then you're sitting there going, I am from Ridgeland. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just kind of like covering up. Well, yeah, those people at Bank Plus, they don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, it's uh, you see that camaraderie going through that. And, and you know, you can try to stop some of the, the mistakes, which obviously if you're going to have a catastrophic mistake, you want to stop that. But sure. there are some mistakes that you have to kind of let happen so you can forge that new yeah. teamwork, you know? Yeah, like, fell forward. And hold everybody. Like you said, it's life. Yeah. Angry customers are going to come in. So you're going to have people from the corporate office there. They're going to get the brunt of it too. And that, that goes a long way if you send some help. We do that too, by the way, for a few weeks. At all the locations that we acquire, we have folks that we call champions that are from our original existing footprints that go and they, they're there for two weeks. That's great. Partners. They, have, mm-hmm. they, they cry in the break room with you. They open debit cards. They open accounts. They handle disputes. They, hey, don't call that number. Here's who you should call. In the confusion of acquisition, you know, you got numbers everywhere. And, hey, if this happens, call this, 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 this. You just sometimes need somebody to go, this is who you need to call. Yeah. Or better yet, you don't need to call anybody. Let me show you how to fix that. So, yeah. you know, and it's it's a it's not a perfect process, but it's it's worked for us. Um, we call it boots on the ground or our branch champions. So, and and were, Eric, here's the thing: there is no perfect process because yeah. you. What's the culture at the other bank that has to be understood and then merged into the new culture? But you have to understand what are the pain points right now and and how are we compensating or what's going really well that they're loving and are we taking that away so but it has to be intentional deliberate human and that's the other thing too i've you know through my career and i know you have um through yours as well even though you've been with this bank for quite a long time which by the way everybody listening that's a testament you stick around for an organization for 18 years or 20 years decades right you've been there for decades because of the culture and the people um, that you're reporting to and that they get it, right? They're human, they get it. And I think we forget in corporate America that people have lives outside of the organization. And, and, and I don't care, Eric, who you talk to, we're all dealing with some kind of tragedy or some type of ebb and flow of life, right? That it's not always happy times. Right. And 
we have to understand that if the merger's coming through and someone just lost a child or lost a parent, you know, they're not bringing their A game, but they shouldn't be judged on that because yeah. they had 20 years with the organization that was stellar. They're just going through a tough time in life. We have to remember we're dealing with humans. And I, you know, you know me and my sales, but, and, and my motto is always that every time we're in front of that customer, it's about the customer. It's not about us. It's not about our organization. And you got to come from love, care, and respect. And the big word is respect yeah. because. They're dealing, our customers are dealing with stuff in their life. So when we take the human piece and well, this is how we do it. It's like, you know, when you're, you're a parent too, I yeah. never did this with my kids because I said so, although I probably did a few times where they just yeah. had me at the brink. Right. But yeah. you can't do that in an organization where it's because I said so. And, and that's the way we do it. We have yes. to give the explanation of the why. And if we get people to buy in and see the trajectory of what we're trying to create through communication, right? Transparency, all the things we talked about, it makes a difference. And you make more money along the way with ease instead of everything being an uphill battle. Like this isn't magic, but it's patience. I guess maybe there's an element of patience in this, right? I, I totally agree. And and you just hit the nail on the head of saying, you know, you, you'll make more money when you, when you remove some of these things that we, these roadblocks we create ourselves through not thinking through things and not being intentional and not being thoughtful. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I have to try to put myself in people's shoes when I talk to them about why they're upset about their role or their career or anything like that. Or even, even friends of mine from church that are not in banking, I have to start thinking, okay, well, you know, in the banking world, it's different, but in, in the outside world, like you go to work every day, you show up on time, you do the right thing, you do what you're supposed to do. And according to American work ethic, that's supposed to get you all the way to the top. You know, you check all these boxes off. Well, you do that in banking too. And you think, you know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Here I am market president over this whole region. And then a bigger bank comes in and says, you're no longer the market president because your, your market is now part of a bigger region. And you're sitting there going, wait, my dad told me all I had to do was show up to work, do the right thing. And you'll be the CEO one day. But, and I had to remind myself, some of these folks that you're talking to on a daily basis, their whole plan has now just changed. There is. And I don't believe, like we talked about titles don't matter to me, but some people, a pecking order is the only thing they know because they're like, well, now who do I report to or who reports to me? Does not anybody report to me anymore? Who am I answerable to now? And so mm -hmm. it's kind of like your whole world changes through acquisition. And so just, just being aware that people's lives or livelihoods are, are in their mind at stake um, kind of makes it more sobering. And, you know, Eric, I was talking uh, recently, I had, a, you know, my annual doctor's appointment and we were chatting We're friends, you know, we going to her, she delivered my kids, the whole thing. And uh, we, we were giggle. And I said to her, you know, I don't know, the older I get, the more stupid I feel. She goes, <laughs> why? And I go, because I know I don't know anything anymore. And yeah. so she looked at me and she goes, and that, my friend, we call wisdom. I go, well, I got a lot of wisdom then. But but isn't that the truth? We We all have blind spots. But I love what you just said. If you pause... And you come put myself in your shoes just for a minute. All of a sudden, I'm looking at a different perspective. But we have to take the time to understand that perspective. And we have to be curious about that person and what they're going through, as well as what we need them to do, right? There has to be this little marriage. Um, and there are growing pains through it. Life is growing pains. Life is not all hunky-dory. And failing forward, I think, becomes a big part of us individually, but us organizationally, whatever organization you belong to. 
My yeah. friend, we are out of time. I could talk to you all day about this. Do it again. We've got to do it again. But philosophically, I think you, your organization, the executive team, you know, that you're part of, I think what you're doing out there should be a model for what other organizations are doing. And that's not a diss or a put down to any other organization. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And that's why I love doing the show, because if we could shine a light, somebody's going to go through a merger and they're thinking, oh, we didn't think of that. I, our CEO should be present and visible in whatever the footprint is, no matter the organization, whether it's banking or any other. This stuff isn't just for banking, right? It's for any organization and more importantly, any leader within the organization, whether you're running sales teams, ops, doesn't matter. Um, it's, it, see, for me, it boils down to communication, Eric. That's really, we have to be very communicative. Um, not sharing our dirty laundry, but communicative. So everybody, we understand we're all at the same table at the same time and, and being respectful about it. Right. Sure. So everyone, I know you need more Eric in your life. So I'm going to put on LinkedIn, please connect with him because you'll see what his bank is doing and the different things that he's part of the amazing things as a human that he's part of. Um, so I will put his LinkedIn, uh, connection, uh, link in the show notes. And if you have a question for him directly, they can email you. Yeah. It should be on the, the yes. Link. It's eaten. It's eaten reb at gmail.com. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I will put that in the show notes. So if guys, if you're going through a leadership change or you just became a leader, um, follow Eric, talk to Eric. Um, he's just an amazing human, by the way. So. Eric, as usual, thank you for a great show and God bless everything you're doing with your organization <laughs> and that you're, yeah, and you're keeping sane and oh, yeah. you're, you're really making a difference in that part of the United States. So I'm proud to call you a friend, but I just love watching and seeing what you're doing and just keep up the great work. Thank you for taking the time to come on. Truly appreciate it. Thanks, Connie. Y'all be well. You too, my friend. Love you. And thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.com. You know that I love having you. Here's the deal. Every leader that listened to the show, no matter what department, um, right, my on sales, but it doesn't matter. You're a leader out there. Please take some of the ideas and the um, thoughts that Eric shared and how they've implemented through four mergers in a year, which and, and through COVID, which is insane, um, and how they're coming out the other end better, stronger, and and ultimately making more profit while having really happy employees. Information is a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's information. Try an idea that Eric shared, put it into practice within your team or your organization. And I promise magic happens on the back end. Action creates reactions. And that's the only way that we can make changes out in the world for the better. So thank you for tuning in. I am honored to have you on this journey of changing your sales game with you. Um, And I really do love that you tune in every week. Please continue to do so. Love your feedback. Just have a great week, everyone. Be inspired to do something different. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you all. And I'll see you next week. Have a great one. Love you guys. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.